reaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Hope you're all doing well. It's always great to be back with you. A lot to talk about in the world of Islamic reform, counter-Islamism, modernity, politics, medical science, whatever else you want. Uh, we'll pick a couple topics and uh, talk about them uh, as I do every week. And uh, if you're coming back and listen before, thank you. Please share this podcast. Find me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I. J-A-S-S-E-R, and also at Reform This Radio. You know, this week as the DNC met at their Democratic National Convention virtually, we had a little exposure to their typical political speeches, very sanitized, prepared, and hardly anything new. But what was new and hardly covered was who they chose as their interfaith representatives. I'll talk to you about the imam that uh, was chosen to highlight the biggest night of the week on Thursday before Vice President Biden, the now nominee for the DNC, um, gave his acceptance speech. And then I want to talk a little bit about a follow-up to the CARE lawsuit. The ambulance chasers at CARE had their proverbial derriere handed to them within a few weeks of them filing a lawsuit. Just fascinating. And we called it here, didn't we? So did many other freedom-loving folks who are fighting jihad. Dr. Damask at the Scottsdale Community College was vindicated this week, and we'll talk about that. But first, the DC, I'm sorry, the DNC didn't change any of its normal playbook, which was to cater to the Islamist establishment, to cater to the radicals in our community and give them a platform because all they do is choose the lowest hanging fruit. They choose the ones that they don't care what they say inside the mosques or in their institutes. They just care about whether they represent the loudest voices that claim to be liberal, that claim to be democratic, and that claim to speak on behalf of the Muslim community. And yet with roughly 1.7 or 8 billion Muslims in the world, there's surely no shortage of peace-loving moderate Muslims eligible to represent our community that might share the values of the Democratic Party. Yet the DNC time and time again has preferred to prop up voices from the radical Islamist establishment and give them a platform to spread their theocracy. Yeah, theocracy for the far left seems odd, doesn't it? Their anti-Western and anti-Semitic rhetoric. This year's convention was no different. And you know what's interesting is that the Linda Sarsours of the world are writhing and doing their little videos on uh, Al Jazeera Plus and Al Jazeera where the Qatari assets are expressing their frustration with being ignored and not being given a platform at the DNC. And yet radical imams have been. Why is there a disconnect there? Well, the political engagement of sort of on an equal basis of these representatives, be it Ilhan Omar, be it Rashida Tlaib, 
or the activist that was ousted from the Women's March, Linda Sarsour, as equals these folks, the, the rest of the Democratic leadership from Pelosi on down, have to deal with the reality of do these folks represent the Democratic Party? So they marginalize them and they're being forced to do so despite the fact that they do it passive-aggressively. Pelosi still had a pact that gave Ilhan Omar, I think, $10,000 or so and with a wink and a nod, still has her on the Foreign Affairs Committee, still has her in an influential position, but distances herself from her from the Rolling Stone cover days in which Ilhan Omar was of new, a new freshman and no microscope was given on her ideas. But the imams that speak for interfaith inclusion at the political convention of their party, nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to care about how radical they are because they're not, they're just sort of a bigotry of, it's a bigotry of low expectations, right? It's just the imam, who cares what he does in the mosque, how he treats women, or how he treats gays, or how he treats Jews, or what he says about it, how he radicalizes the community. That doesn't matter. We're just going to, he looks, he plays the part. He's got the robe and the beard and the kefiyah or whatever else he's got to make himself look Muslim, so we will use him as such. The New York, and this week was no different. The New York City-based Imam Talib al-Hajj, Abdul Rashid, was selected by the convention's organizers to deliver the final benediction. The final benediction last, Saturday, last Thursday. One of the eight chaplains belonging to different faiths who was selected to take part, take part. Imam Talib has come to the defense of multiple convicted terrorists and criminals, including Samuel Arian a convicted Hamas activist in Florida of providing material support for designated terror group Palestinian Islamic Jihad and later deported for refusing to testify against Hamas cells in the U.S. He also defended Jamil Abdul Al-Amin, formerly H.R.A.P. Brown, who was on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list and currently serving a life sentence for the murder of a police officer. And Dr. Rafiq Sabir pledged allegiance to Al-Qaeda and agreed to serve as the group's medic abroad. Imam Talib, who spoke and gave prayer for the DNC this week, smeared Muslims like myself in the past who supported the NYPD. And by the way, this was before libeling and, and, and slandering police officers was a sport for the DNC as we see it this week, this year. This was 10 years ago in 2010. He said the Muslims that rose up to support the NYPD and their work to keep New York and America safe. Muslims like us are collaborationists. And he denounced America for being a land ruled by non-Muslims according to public laws based on Longer than Sharia. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the imam who gave prayer at the DNC has repudiated America for being a land ruled by non-Muslims according to public laws based on other than Sharia, quote-unquote. He's from Brooklyn, down the street from Imam Siraj Wahaj, the fellow member of the Muslim American Alliance a group that has been uh, the sorry that's the the Muslim 
alliance of North America. Siraj Wahaj has not only been on the leadership of the Muslim Alliance of North America, as has Imam Talib, but helped raise money for CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, on their advisory council on the Islamic Society of North America, spoken at their conventions. He is a leader in the Islamist movement in America, as is Imam Talib. And by the way, it doesn't just stop at Talib. The DNC this week also hosted Wisconsin Imam Noman Hussein, took part in the convention's interfaith prayers a few days previous in Sunday, and he's been affiliated with the Qalam Institute. Qalam is pen in Arabic, a Texas-based Salafi seminary whose <laughs> officials have advocated, and it's not funny, this is horrific, using women as sex slaves and has supported the punishment of death for adulterers. Yes, they have. Look at their materials. One of their training manuals has a section on cleanliness and presentation that commands Muslims to be pure and hospitable so that they, quote, do not resemble the Jews, unquote. Imam Hussein from Wisconsin, speaking, chosen by the Democrats to represent Muslims. And the absurdity of all this is not that it's just sort of a wacky coincidence or something that was missed by the leadership. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why the American Muslim population is radicalized. Because it's not just and is actively being radicalized in certain uh, members that are active in various organizations, such as those that might attend the mosques of these imams. Now, is this a majority of American Muslims? No, it's a minority. But that's because a minority attend mosques regularly. A minority uh, are influenced by places like the Qalam Institute or the Muslim Alliance of North America or the Islamic Society of North America. But they influence quite a bit. And unfortunately, we are not engaging them in the war of ideas. We are not engaging them in what it means to be an American, what it means to be modern in the 21st century and believe in the equality of men and women, to support the choice of people to choose how they raise their kids, how they speak, what they speak about, free speech, and all the aspects that are incompatible with current interpretation of Sharia law are not part of what imams teach. And the anti-Semitism that's just rank and being being pushed by imams like Hussein, Wahaj, or Talib that I've told you about today. Wahaj, who went all the way back first Muslim to give the speech, to give an invocation at the U.S. Congress in 1991, and then gave an invocation at the DNC in 2012, which I tried to talk about. He has ties to terrorist networks, a criminal past, and a history of violent, misogynistic, and homophobic rhetoric. Also, in addition to anti-Semitism, anti-American speeches, etc., from the mimbar, the pulpit of his mosques in Brooklyn. Three of his offspring were arrested for operating a jihadist training compound for children that left a three-year-old dead just a few years ago in 2018, ladies and gentlemen. So the apple, the fruit's not falling far from the tree, is it? And this is who one of the leaders of the Muslim American Alliance of North America, along with Imam Talib, So the Democrats 
along with their support of Ilhan Omar and her anti-Semitism and her pro-Iranian, pro-Erdogan, global Islamist proclivities, the Democrats have once again invited religious dogmatism onto their political stage, and it reveals, and it reveals that they really do not care about the Muslim community. And really, that's the message. We can have a vigorous debate in the Muslim community, but who should be selected, and I think it should be those that at least share the values of their party. If they cared, they'd recognize that Muslims, such as those in the Muslim Reform Movement, are deserving of the same freedoms and protections from our extremist leaders that they are from the fundamentalist Christian preachers that they claim to so hate and want to protect their country and their society from. What a double standard. They would recognize that the Muslim community is diverse and that those who scream the loudest are not necessarily representative of the majority. They would hold us to higher standards. And indeed, those standards they would expect from any leaders of the faith community, such as respect for the Constitution, separation of mosque or church and state, and equal justice under the law. Catering, catering to these figures such as Wahaj, Hussein and Talib also reveals the Democratic Party's hypocrisy. But it seems that when it comes to uh, Sharia supremacists, Democrats have become spineless, beholden to identity politics and political correctness. They're exploited by those who embrace the same zealous bigotry that claim they claim to abhor. And, and we're not talking about a small faith here. If we can't begin the reform, the countering of the ideas that we need to here in America, the second largest, the world's fasting growing religion, will continue to be radicalized at its base. And the reforms that we see that some of us are trying to do will never get traction. And this is why, that's why it's so important that we engage in this. why I do this program. And I hope you can share this with your friends because... Enough is enough. Stop having the worst, the most radical, and the most abhorrent in our community represent us at your political function as props because it's absurd. If the Democratic Party truly believes these Muslims are the best choice to represent us, I prefer to seek out parties, as many Muslims would, where the promises of America that they brought our parents and millions of other Americans and immigrants can be fulfilled. Think about it. Next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to report that this week, a appellate court, uh, a federal court, that had listened and heard the case brought by the Council on American Islamic Relations against Nick Damask at the Scottsdale Community College, district court ruled that CARE's lawsuit is absurd, absolutely absurd. I'll remind you, and I'll give you the exact language from the judge, but that's the summary. And as I told you a few months ago, when the story broke and we broke that story here on this podcast, at the time the chancellor of the Maricopa County Community District had sort of stepped in and this whole thing blew up into an internationally known story because 
comedians and radicals in the Islamist network had begun to mock some of the questions that were given in the quiz in this class. One little quiz that was discussing some of the root causes of Islamist radicalism and whether they were following the imam's interpretation of prophetic teachings, whether it was related to jihad, etc. And these things were felt to be malignant against Islam. And these comedians with their millions of followers then began to amplify this and this professor had to go into hiding. The professor was ridiculed and his the president of his school apologized immediately and left the professor to fend for his own. Thanks to some academic freedom institutes like FIRE, F-I-R-E, they came to his defense. And the chancellor of the entire Maricopa County District also put brakes on the entire attack against the professor that was fueled by radical Islamists trying to put anyone on the defense that dares ask the question against some of the theological derivations of radical Islam. Well, then as the school said they were going to form a diversity committee and begin to look at these things, and the the student was uh, actually then reminded that there's a process to go by disputing questions on quizzes, etc., and not do it through uh, uh, comedians with huge social media platforms around the world, in London and elsewhere, in Pakistan, Afghanistan, and elsewhere, that he should do it through the department, through the school, then care finds a couple of attorneys that will sue anything, decide to sue on behalf of the student Muhammad Sabra. And the attorneys led by Reyes Muhammad and a local law firm here in Phoenix decide to sue the school. And what do they sue? They, they use the First Amendment against itself. They used the First Amendment to say that by teaching one form of Islam, it was violating the Establishment Clause. That ultimately, David Chami, an attorney representing CARE, said the group filed a lawsuit to prevent the mass from continuing to poison the minds of the students. We've had enough hate in this country. We have enough divide. We don't need our professors inflaming those students of hatred and students. The attorneys claim that Sabra, the student, was forced to make a decision, either disavow his religion or be punished by getting the answers wrong in the quiz. They further said in their report, the course may outline those beliefs, but that doesn't make it acceptable to teach misinformation. The lawsuit said that Damask asserted in his course that peaceful interpretations of Islam were false, quoting Damask's course material as saying, contentions that Islam does not promote warfare or violence cannot be supported on either theological or historical grounds. So that's the lawsuit. What came out this week? These attorneys, as we're thankful to report, had their derrieres, their proverbial derrieres handed to them by the district court judge.
And by the way, where is the outrage that now finally the courts weigh in and it proves that the entire flail from the from the inappropriate abuse that this professor took to the global condemnation and the and the bullying online and the threats and intimidation. It is the student that should be sued. It is care that should be sued because of the way it misrepresented Muslims in America and abused, abusively exploited the legal system. None of that, none of that is discussed today. The federal court rejected the unsound lawsuit targeting the college course discussing Islamic terrorism. On the morning of August 18, 2020, a federal court in Arizona dismissed the lawsuit brought by the Council for American Islamist Radicalization. Oh, I'm sorry. The Council for American Islamic Relations, seeking to prevent the Scottsdale professor from continuing to teach a course on terrorism. Professor Damask, as fire reported, chair of the Department of Political Science at SCC, exchanged emails with a student on April 29 about three quiz questions. Three quiz questions. Within a day, this was shared around the world. The quiz questions asked about the content in which terrorism is justified by some, and I talked to you about that already. But after the college backed down, they filed a lawsuit on behalf of the student, alleging that the terrorism module violated the First Amendment's establishment and free free exercise clauses asking a federal court to issue an order preventing the module from being taught. The court rejected those arguments this week and dismissed the case. The court found that the course does not only not violate the establishment clause which bars government action. Community college is a government actor which is reasonably construed as sending primarily a message of either endorsement or disapproval of religion. The court held that the course did not fail the second prong of the test outlined in Supreme Court Lemon versus Kurtzman, the Lemon Test, as it's called, for evaluating government action alleged to violate the Establishment Clause. Per the Lemon Test, the court said the Establishment Clause is not violated where the government action has a secular purpose does not have the principal or primary effect of advancing or inhibiting religion, and does not foster excessive entanglement with religion. And, and, and it even noted that even if there were some disapproval of religion, the course as a whole was not primarily intended to denigrate Islam. <laughs> it's just absurd. And actually, the language used by the judge, ladies and gentlemen, this, the, should lead anyone to realize that care left the court with its tail between its legs. The offending component was only a part of one-sixth of the course and taught in the context of explaining terrorism. It even noted in its... Hats off to the judge. He went into some of the details of the questions and the materials given and notes that he even showed that one of the professors quoted in the material, Peter Bergen, for example, said that it represented a twisted variant of Islam as a whole. The question merely asked students that was given of that was offensive, supposedly, asked students to identify the opinion of a professor, one of the professors, not all of them, and he did provide some diversity of opinion on that. 
Thus, the court finds that the primary effect, as it said, of Dr. Damascus' course is not the inhibition of the practice of Islam. And Fire even goes one step further to say that, you know, even if one believes that, you know, this professor presented a form of Islam that's insulting to the religion, takes a critical view of the religion, it's protected by academic freedom. Institutions of higher, quote, institutions of higher education have an important secular purpose in examining, exploring, and debating religion. And the ability to study necessarily entails the freedom to criticize. Any other result would require that only positive views on a particular religion could be represented by faculty members, which would itself raise the same Establishment Clause concerns and arguments that have been put forth in attempts to suppress even rudimentary education with Islamic faith. So they are twisting and turning on itself the clause that protects critique and diversity in ideas rather than the one that prevents and, and, and they think should only be positive. And that's the way blasphemy theocrats behave, right? Everything is used, democracy, whatever it might be, every tool possible can be used in the employment of sharia. We'll use the First Amendment to say that they're establishing Christianity by criticizing Islam. They're establishing some other faith by secularism by, by criticizing Islam. And it's all about hate, it's all about bigotry, etc. So it turns it on its head and it shows folks that lawfare of the Islamists should be countered by lawfare for freedom and liberty. That we should protect our professors, we should protect our Muslim reformers and give them platforms to fight this. Curriculum that happens to conflict with a student's religious belief does not violate the free exercise clause. As Fire notes, and its author Adam Steinbaum on August 18th. Parker versus Hurley, he notes, in that case, there was a requirement that public school students to read a book featuring gay couples did not violate constitutional rights of Christian parents. The ruling said that requiring students to learn class material that the plaintiffs viewed as derogatory towards a faith, Hinduism or whatever it might be, did not violate the free exercise clause. The Hinduism issue was in the Torlakson case. The gay couple issue was in the Parker versus Hurley case. So there's a lot of cases out there in which religions have been tested about their ability to, and the need for them to withstand offensive things being taught in school and by government. In this case, Sabra, the bully student, the student that decided to employ the bullying tactics of every radical that would take his Instagram pics and spread them and start to have them boomerang back on the professors at Scottsdale Community College. He alleged that he was forced to choose between denouncing his religion by selecting the correct answer or receiving a lower grade. It's not correct. He wasn't required to adopt the views, but only to demonstrate, as Steinbaugh reports here, an understanding of the material taught. There's no imposition of personal worship. It's all complete, exaggerated, dishonest propaganda by the Islamists. 
to make themselves into victims. And this is the way victimology works, right? Is you explode a small little pixel out of a picture, which is the quiz. You take that pixel out and you paint a different picture from what the pixel actually fits into. And that becomes the deception. The 1984 Orwellian method of claiming religious freedom as you suppress that of everybody else. And that's how we're going to defeat them. The court received and reached the right ends this time. The Arizona Central reporter did follow up that piece this week. And reporter Longy did do a follow-up reporting that the case was dismissed. And care could not be reached for comment. Oh, now all of a sudden they don't want to talk to media when they have their derrieres handed to them. <laughs> this is the problem, is that they use the media that hands the microphone to them also willingly to misrepresent and radicalize our community with separatist ideas and hate towards America and the sense of victimization. But then when the courts stand up for religious freedom and reform, they're nowhere to be found, and it's just a sanitized story about a court dismissing a case. This is the problem. And we need a campaign to fight the Islamists and expose them for the evil rot that they are in the ideas of freedom and liberty. Always so much to talk about, folks. It's always great to be with you. Spread the word about Reform This. Spread the word about the alternative and diverse voices of American Muslims that exist. We'll see what happens in the next convention this week. I'm not aware of any Muslims speaking and might pose a whole other problem about staying away from the anti-Islamists or any Muslims for practical purposes. But we'll see. We'll see. A lot to talk about. Share this on your favorite podcast network, Blaze TV, Blaze Podcast Network. Share it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Reform This Radio, and also at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R. You can find us on iTunes and anywhere podcasts are played. This is your faithful American Muslim Patriot Reforming Correspondent Zudi Jasser. We'll talk to you next week. God bless. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.